0: On today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition, how much trouble is low cast in? What are your favorite streaming platforms? And what's your budget for entertainment and apps?
1: Time to check in with the chat to take your questions and comments. Brian Van Gelder III, what does the audience want to learn about today? He's not really the third.
0: Everything. They want to learn all the everything. Actually, first, I want to to try this on for size. So in the past, we've done trivia. I want to do a dad joke today. Are we okay with a tech dad joke? I am. Okay, good, because I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, so try this one. Uh, go ahead and feel free to share with your friends. I found it on Reddit last night. Uh, a friend of mine uses his 3D printer to print guns. I'm not impressed. I've had a Canon printer for years.
2: 3D, 3D printing guns, are, I feel like it, it flares up every once in a while as a issue that people get really concerned about.
0: Yeah, but, but the Canon. Is it get it? A Canon?
1: Joan...
2: Oh, sorry. That was such a bad joke. I didn't even realize (laughs) it was supposed to be funny.
1: (laughs) (sighs) Wah, wah. Oh, there goes that We need a sad trombone button instead of this hype button. We need a reverse hype button, please. Yeah, I'll work
0: on that. Okay, thank you. Okay, so uh, we got Roger in the chat today. It's amazing. He doesn't have time to be on the show, but he's screwing around on YouTube. Uh, He says, lowcast nonprofit status definitely makes for an interesting legal argument. I'm keen to see how the courts decide on this. I am too. Uh, Joan, you actually introduced me to lowcast, and I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but it works really well, and I'm interested to see how that kind of like changes the landscape for the concept of television like we always talk about the cord cutting and who's still got an antenna and all this but like what it's doing is it's taking that transmission medium out of it and just digitizing it while letting the tv stations maintain their identity and i think that's kind of a big part of it people have a loyalty to the local markets kind of thing um i i'm i i like the service i should probably spend some more time with it but i like roger's comment too what do you think about that
2: yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out for Lowcast, given that the loophole that Aereo tried to use got shut down. It's going to be, I think it'll be really interesting to see how things play out, given that it's a completely, it's a very similar service. You just don't have to pay for it, which pro for consumers. And two, it's a similar service, but with a very different, like, legal underpinning. So it'll be interesting to see if it's something that can actually survive an assault in the courts from some really deep-pocketed media companies. I'm looking
1: at the Wikipedia entry of Aereo and how its demise under the Supreme Court, saying that it was viewed in terms of Congress's regulatory objectives that these behind-the-scenes technological differences, that means, you know, it's just streaming, essentially using a cable, internet as your cable between the antenna and the consumer, does not distinguish Aereo's system from cable systems which do perform publicly. So that's a weird, like, distinction of, like, I mean, if I just had an antenna, let's say at your house, and I brought a coax cable all the way to mine, that's technically allowed. But if I use the internet as an intermediary, that seems to be an issue, especially if they're charging. Lowcast not charging might do it for them. That's that. Is that as simple as it is? Would do you think that would even bring up other competitors? To lowcast would you even be a competitor to a nonprofit? Well,
2: because it's a nonprofit, then competitors isn't the right kind of language. Right. I guess it's they're competing for your attention. But the idea is there. The concept of lowcast the people that created it, David Goodfriend. He says it is supposed to be a public service. His name is Goodfriend? Yes. That's perfect. (laughs) So he, um, it's designed to be a public service, and so they're not competing for dollars. I guess they'd only be competing for your attention.
1: Do you think that the networks themselves would just go ahead and just... Do it themselves. So that if, this is gonna, if this survives, if Lowcast survives, will they just allow Lowcast to continue, or will they, do you think that CBS will have their own version of it? Will they go, fine, it's free, we have this, other than having to authenticate with your credentials? Yeah,
2: your... it's a possibility. You know, for a long time, fundamentally, there has been this complaint that over-the-air signals were designed for over-the-air signals for broadcast television were designed to be free and accessible for mm-hmm. everyone. But because so few people use an antenna as their primary way to watch television especially you know, five, 10 years ago when cable was really the only game in town, um, there was this criticism that these channels aren't actually accessible to people that can't right. pay for cable. Um, and the fact even now that you have to authenticate with your pay TV subscription in order to watch your local over the air channel via you know, whatever uh-huh. device or whatever you wanna use, it still rubs a lot of people, consumer advocates the wrong way.
1: What else we got Brian?
0: Oh, uh, next up, let's take one from our friend Commander Trium. Are all these new streams US only services? How do Canadian subscribers take advantage? And of course, I think he's got to be citing, uh, what did we say, HBO Max, Apple TV? Uh, what else is coming down the line? Lowcast is only in very select markets. That's 13 markets. And that's I think. only in the continental US. So, yeah, that's that's really early on in it. Yeah, Lowcast
2: is specific to the US. But um, when you're talking about Netflix, obviously, is global except for China. Um, Disney Plus is going to have a phased rollout globally. Canada, we presume, is going to be immediately after the U.S. rollout, which is November 12th. 12th? Mm -hmm. Um, They haven't said specifically, but they've said it's going to be in the same three-month period as the U.S. rollout, which means basically before the end of the year it should be coming to Canada. Uh, And then there's a big question mark over some of the other ones. Apple TV Plus, we presume, is going to be global also. Because they're relying mostly on their originals, which means they don't have to worry about all this geo fenced licensing agreements that they have for like catalog content that's not theirs. But like HBO Max and um, NBC Universal service that's going to be coming up, we don't really know exactly how widely available they're going to be. Initially, they'll just be in the US for sure. Whether or not they go internationally, it's hard to say.
1: I forgot about NBC Universal's new. Yeah, because like
2: what that, they're going to have the office. Congrats. What else is there to be excited about? I don't Joan,
0: know. don't discredit it. That'll work. That will get people there. That It'll get people there, the
2: but like it won't keep people there. But
1: the thing is, That's that true. service is going to launch in 2020, and they're not going to get the office until 2021. So they got time to flounder before they get the rights yeah. back, because Netflix has that locked up for another year or two.
0: I, as I want to bring this one up, because you and I have common ground on this, uh, the DC Universe app, uh, I've been trying it. They gave it to me for free at Comic-Con. Uh, at the current catalog, I'm on the fence about renewing, um, but they have definitely produced some quality stuff. I know Doom Patrol got a lot of attention. I'm a big fan of Young Justice, and I really like what they did with Swamp Thing. But rest in peace. Uh, what do we think is going to happen in that kind of situation where there's they're not getting a lot of traffic? I, I'm kind of predicting that we're going to see more aggregation happening. So there will be like a Warner Brothers app that's going to have DC content and like Warner animation and all all the Warner indie stuff all under the same hood. Do you think we're going to see more of that?
1: That'd be smart if they had, you know, one universal app and you can uh, get everything. But I'm thinking uh, this is going to be more like the Google approach, where you have like thirty different services, but one login gets you into all of them. Like I pay for Google Play Music, which gets me YouTube Music, which also gets me YouTube Premium, which makes no sense. Why they're all separate in general, and they're all kind of a kind of a mess. I'd imagine the DC Universe will continue on its own, maybe a bundled version of it. I can see the catalogs having a huge overlap in HBO Max and the DC Universe when it comes to movies and television shows, but I don't think that uh, buying HBO Max will give you the access to the comic books that you get in, in, in DCU. There's going to be some, I think there'll be certain parts that are still specific to each of these properties.
0: Gotcha. All right,
1: moving on, uh,
0: Imagine Soggy, he says uh, exactly the problem with cable was the increasing prices and that people would only watch a few channels, diminishing returns, I think the term is for that. Uh, This is why Netflix has been losing subscribers because of increasing prices. I'm curious to see, I think we've asked this question before on this show, or maybe the former version of this show. uh, What is your price cutoff point? What is your budget? How do you distribute it? I'm curious. uh, For me, Amazon Prime annual subscription, Netflix monthly, Hulu monthly, um, and then what else do I pay for? I think that's kind of it. That's kind of the bulk of it. I watch a lot of YouTube, but that's free. Um, Timothy Dew says, since AT&T and DirecTV are spiraling downwards, do you think other major players will have a second opinion when buying Dish in the future?
2: I think, I mean, by spiraling downwards, I imagine he means losing traditional video subscribers, which is happening for everybody. It's not just um, AT&T and DirecTV. Um, In terms of interest in Dish, I don't really know. I think there's a lot going on that, at play there, main, mainly that all the companies that would buy Dish have already bought a whole bunch of stuff lately, like billions and billions and dollars in acquisitions, and so there's not a lot more money for somebody big enough to buy Dish to actually do it. Dish, by the way, is the biggest subscription pay TV service by subscribers, like right neck and neck with Comcast. so they're huge. Um, in order for somebody to buy somebody like Dish, it has less to do with The fact that we're in this like cyclical decline of um, traditional pay TV, and more to do with the fact that there's just not a lot of companies out there that would have the interest and the wherewithal, like the means to do it.
1: I'm looking up, I'm trying to say like who could buy it. So, uh, dishes, I mean, Apple would always come up, Google would come up, $15.8 billion. So that's that's market cap. And like you were saying that Apple and Alphabet's cash pile is $117 billion, so they can just chuck 10% of it and actually buy it if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, but that's not a wise way to no, use your it's capital. It's
1: a terrible idea. I don't yeah. think Google needs to get in the, but they also give them a foothold into networking and being an, uh, they already had that Google Fiber experiment where they were a right. TV service and that didn't really work out due to the uh, rollout on that. So I don't know if companies, they might be wary about picking up Dish, but I don't think Dish is going anywhere right now because AT&T is not going to be able to d- pick them up on top of it because you can't just have one satellite thing. That's a bad idea. Um, I'm just, I'm just now. I'm just kind of floored by the amount of cash that's just sitting around between Apple and Alphabet. They can just pick up whatever they want.
2: Yeah, and so that's why there's always speculation about you know Apple buying Netflix. But considering, like, I think the fact that now that they're developing Apple TV Plus, maybe finally it'll stop. All that speculation will just finally die because it's like you don't need to buy Netflix if you're just going to build your own. Yeah, and also
1: these companies are buying more and more media companies, so they have their own content and rinse and repeat. Uh, next one's coming in from Ryan Uh, I'm wondering if paying $16.99
0: a month to Netflix is going to be worth so many companies starting their own service is it worth for Netflix originals I would for one quickly sign up for Disney Plus I'm with you, I'm already on the Disney Plus train and as much as I'm getting fed up with the Netflix interface their UI sucks uh, I would never leave as long as they still have Stranger Things
1: what's the actual question?
0: Uh, if paying 16.99 a month is really worth it, with so many companies starting their own services, uh, he's asking if their own original catalog, as all of their, they, they they had the big big bad boy catalog for a long time. They lost the rights to some things. They went mm-hmm. back home. Uh, are the originals enough to keep you on board?
2: Well, I think that like the fact that every month Netflix loses some of its licensed catalog, and you don't hear about waves of people. Affecting. Um, the whole premise of having an original content strategy for Netflix was specifically for this reason that they didn't, they weren't like relying on some outsider's decision to pull or allow them to have. Certain content. I agree that maybe seventeen dollars a month doesn't work it for individuals. That's why Netflix has tiers of service where it doesn't change the catalog that you get, but it changes the uh, level of image quality and also the amount of devices that you can stream to simultaneously. Um, I wonder if maybe you know right now their most popular plan is the mid tier plan, which isn't seventeen. I think it's thirteen a month. Um, maybe more people are going to go to that. Maybe more people are gonna go down to their stream on one device um, and lower quality thing as they try to keep that content available to them, but also be able to watch stuff on other services without having to pay quite as much. Yeah, I
1: definitely think the pricing depends on quality of service. Netflix is pretty reliable in general. Like, imagine you're trying to go to your service, you try to watch something. Netflix, I believe they've worked really hard in the art of compression. So if you, even if you have a really lousy connection, you will get some kind of version streaming to you because they have several different versions of whatever you're trying to watch at one time so you're not getting this like 30 megabit per second connection that you need to have running you can watch this like really crappy 24 240p image and it'll run like a really bad network i think that's kind of really important as well because if you're paying a lot of money you want to make sure this stuff always works on top of that they've added downloads i know a lot of the other companies have done that um that also i think might make it worth it in, in in some respects because you'll be able to still watch with lousy connections and no connection
2: yeah, and the ability of the kind of dynamic streaming like you're talking about. That's also really important. It doesn't really matter for us as consumers, but it matters for the company as their growth is mostly not going to be coming from the U.S. It's going to be coming from places where networks are less reliable, mm-hmm. like India and other emerging countries.
0: How long do you think they do a Netflix original behind-the-scenes documentary about us? Um, Two years. Next. <laughs> Okay, next, uh, here's a follow-up question, well, comment really, from Brian. Uh, It's funny that the biggest critique of cable was spending so much money for a ton of channels that you never actually watch. Streaming is really going the same direction when you think about it, where you may subscribe to one thing, like CBS, only for Star Trek.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, there was always kind of the promise of a la carte channels, and people thought that it sounded great, but when you realize that... when you add it all up, you're actually paying as much or more than you would be for a cable bill. Um, That seems to be kind of the reality that we're entering into now.
1: I mean, if you go way back when you used to like buy television shows and do season passes, let's say Amazon or iTunes, I think the price, that was one of the reasons why streaming seemed to make a lot more sense because you are paying 15 bucks a month for, let's say HBO and you're getting Game of Thrones, but you get all this extra stuff. But if I was buying the season with a season pass, it costs around the same. So, because of that, the the cost doesn't seem as bad because you could be you could just buy these things outright. You could buy one show outright. But if you're like, wait a minute, if I just pay you, you know, eight bucks a month, I get Star Trek plus this other stuff. It seems a lot easier to fall into than just buying this one show.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I these would things. say,
0: from my perspective, it's hasn't really been about the price point for a long time. Right now, it's more about the control. And I know that people have been able to mitigate that with the invention of the DVR ages ago, uh, but I just, I still prefer the on demand model over live when it comes to a lot of these things. Obviously, live news shows like this one are important to be a part of in real time. But as far as original content, premium content, being able to watch it at your own pace has really kind of changed how we consume. And even to a certain extent, if you really think about it, why we consume, it's no longer about the water cooler. It's more like a race to the finish line. Like, have you binged that yet? How dare you? I can't talk to you until you finish that. All 235 episodes. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of digressing here. What's
2: what's the show that releases 225 episodes all at once?
0: I don't know. I'll give it time. Somebody will find a way, probably. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, All right, we got enough time for just a few more. Uh, Let's talk to Storm King. Do you think some of these smaller streaming services will partner up to make their content all as one? Uh, I'm going to list a few here. Let's talk about Crackle, Epix, um, both actually really good services, but they don't have the chops to compete with the big boys, at least not catalog-wise.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're already seeing that with um, kind of, Aggregator services like Verve, um, where you get, where you take a collection of niche streaming services and then bundle them all together. So maybe you don't like four of them, but three of them are really important to you, and that way you just get a whole collection of them in your basket all at once. So we're seeing that for the niche streaming services, and I think that that's definitely a great way for these niche streaming services to go, um, so they can survive. You know, the, that's kind of the double-edged sword for these niche services is that they have really, depending on the kind of content that it is, there's varying degrees of very dedicated, loyal fans, but because by definition they don't reach a broad audience, it's a struggle for them to be able to reach the kind of level that they need to, to be enticing.
1: When it comes to Sony Crackle though, they could also, if if for some reason their streaming service is not going well and they actually want to shutter it, they're a production company. They can sell their shows to other networks, other streaming services. I forgot about Verve being a thing. Philo was the one I was thinking of. I'm like, is it Philo? Oh, yeah, Philo. I don't know. Yeah,
2: that's, that's um, I mean, that's like a live TV service, yeah, right? 50 yeah,
1: channels, $20 a month.
2: Yeah, which it's, the, the idea of it is that you um, don't have to pay for news or sports channels, which means they're able to keep the prices low because those are the most expensive channels to have to license and carry.
1: Binge your favorite shows at a guilt-free price. That's their tagline.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good.
0: Uh, Imagine Zaggy says Netflix is shooting itself in the foot by canceling the original programming with just one or two seasons. Can't have tons of canceled shows. Remove syndicated content and keep the loyal customers. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Marvel well uh, and that whole thing, but that's obviously kind of a side effect of the Disney Plus acquisition. Uh, what other series have been canceled far too young? And isn't there some statistics somewhere that, like, audience retention is a sharp fall-off after a third season of a show, and Netflix is sticking really, really close to that model.
2: Yeah, I don't think that they're sticking close to any model of when people defect from shows, but it's it's very common that shows in their second to third season see the audience drop off from larger to like just a dedicated base of fans. Um, I think what's driving... Netflix's uh decisions they used to renew stuff a lot more often but they're just making so many different kinds of shows now that they can't continue to put money into stuff that's not giving them a return in interest engagement whatever it may be and they're not entirely transparent about their the kind of like dots the kind of boxes you need to check in order to get renewed um but they're sticking with the stuff that they know is a reliable hit. They're sticking with those. And stuff that brings in users that aren't, you know, like they have a bunch of shows that cater to an older demographic, and so older demographics are less likely to be early adopters of a service night Netflix. So they're sticking with shows like that.
1: I really wish they did not cancel Santa Clarita Diet with Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore. It was disgusting, it was hilarious. They stopped it at three seasons. They ended on a cliffhanger. Why'd you do it, Netflix, other than they needed to have space for, I don't know, Nailed It season 35, you know? See, but I
2: like Nailed It. But it's
1: also cheaply produced. Yeah, I
2: like Nailed It. I didn't like Santa Clara Diet. And so that's how Netflix really is like a bunch of niche interests, niche genres, all packed into one. And so there are collisions where they can't keep doing one versus the other. Santa Clara Diet, they had Drew Barry more in it. So that's a very expensive, Mm -hmm. like, talent cost for sure. Um, Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act that they have to do. And it's, for a long time, they were just writing checks and like making it rain to everybody and they've stopped doing that at quite the level that they had been. And that's why we're seeing some of these cancellations. I like
1: it when showrunners have the notice that their show is ending so they can actually wrap it all up. Sometimes it's nice to go, oh, there's only three seasons of the show. I can watch all of it and I know it's gonna end versus going, is this gonna drag out and start to stink? It's going oh no, it jumped the shark. I don't wanna watch this anymore. (laughs) And then you're like, you've lost it by season five. So I think three sometimes can work if they have a plan. I like planned out shows.
0: Same. And that's why I trudge into television very apprehensively like a damaged lover because
2: oh my I have God. been screwed
0: so many times by TV shows. Uh, the, the Wonder Years. Screw you, The Wonder Years. And I'm still mad about My Name is Earl.
2: I'm sorry that you have this trauma, BBG.
0: Yeah, me too.
2: I'm sorry for your trauma. Uh,
0: Storm King says CBS All Access might benefit from a partnership. They've essentially become the Star Trek network. Eey. Uh, would a software aggregator need permission to access their service if the consumer has an account?
1: Uh, yes, I mean Apple's got that issue with Netflix correct They can't go ahead and look into Netflix's stuff at least for their TV app
2: right. So Netflix is um, yeah Netflix doesn't the idea the, the the like tension there is like so for Apple TV and it's Apple and its TV app, they want you to be able to have that. You go to one place, you search it there, you'll be able to find out where it is. But that means that all that, the consumer relationship is with Apple instead of with the partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means all the data about what people are searching for either stays with Apple, or in the very least, if it's shared with the other company, Apple has a window into what that is. Netflix, because they're the, the big like big daddy of all streaming services, they're like, no. Everybody wants us. We're number one. We're not going to give you all of our goodies and you basically get give us nothing other than like some like micro mental amount of additional interest. Um, But a lot of other streaming services don't have that kind of heavyweight status Mm -hmm. to be able to do something like that.
0: Okay, we are almost out of time. Let's uh, try to slam through these real quick. Uh, Yan just brought this up. On a side note, with Google being an official supporter of the Olympic Games in Tokyo 2020, will YouTube stream the Olympics?
2: Is the question if YouTube will stream the Olympics?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, Possibly, but NBC has those rights locked Mm -hmm. up for, like, eternity. Not really, but... um, NBC has also been, I mean, to give them credit for a legacy programmer, they've been very aggressive about making the Olympics available to stream online. Unlike, on on a scale that's kind of unprecedented for anybody, um, let alone somebody that's not like baked into their bones, a technological company. So I'll give them credit for even in the past doing tons and tons of live streaming. Um, A lot of it, some of it was, Gated with pay TV um, login credentials, so that was frustrating. It basically, if it'll be on YouTube, it basically comes down to whether or not NBC decides to have a partnership with YouTube, and that's just in the U.S. You know, the Olympic Committee they divvy out these rights globally. Obviously, this is a global event. Um, in in the U.S., NBC is the one that holds all the cards because they've paid like hand over fist in money to have those rights. Uh, but maybe in other parts of the world, it would be live stream on YouTube. I don't really know.
0: Interesting thought to bring up, though. Uh, real quick, I, as Ryan wants to know about Google Play Pass. Does this also tie into Google Play Music or movies?
1: Uh, I don't know because they said enjoy hundreds of apps. Now is Google going to maybe gussy it up with their own app services to make sure that you join it? I doubt it because YouTube and sorry, uh, Google Play Music costs ten dollars a month, and so does uh, YouTube Premium as well. So like the idea that you could get those Google services at a discount to five dollars seems a little bit crazy, unless Google has gone crazy, which I doubt it's done at this point. So I don't think that it'll be those kinds of services. I'm not really sure what kind of role Google will have with its apps in that Play Pass, if at all.
0: And before we go, I, as your next episode of Top 5, I'm calling it right now, Top 5 Disappointing Cliffhanger TV Endings. (laughs) Uh, I'll help you with that one. And uh, in the 11th hour here, to go out on, Yan says, now we can stream videos, music, and pretty soon, video games. What do you think will be next?
2: What else is there? Smells. Mm. Mm.
1: <laughs> stream your smells. I mean, like, if you want to go to a restaurant virtually, how are you going to do it? you got to stream it.
2: Mm, yeah. I
0: think, stream. I think more big live events, those Fathom event kind of things, I think that's definitely ramping up a little speed, at least from my perspective, seeing it occur more often. Uh, I think those things are kind of, like, live movies, essentially, live concerts. I think that'll be a bigger thing. Coming
2: Streaming virtually out of virtual you would take a lot of bandwidth to be able to do it, but... Maybe that. Who knows?
0: Good call. All right, everybody. Thanks for a great week. Uh, Have a a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Ayaz,
1: go ahead and send us on out. Thank you again for joining us. Tag us online and let us know what you want to see on this show. For The Daily Charge, I'm Ayaz Akhtar. I'm Joni Salzman. Thanks for listening
2: and watching.